All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday, January 23rd edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We're streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, what's up? I'm just trying to calm down over a blown call in a squirt game yesterday. But you know what? I th- I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself. I think I handled it okay. I just talked to the ref. So <laughs> I didn't blow up, Frank. How was your weekend? Yeah, seek help. I actually had a, a moment in uh, in our might game on Sunday where I made a, a bad change. It actually wasn't a bad change from my perspective in the sense that I called the kid off and he decided to just stop skating and I sent the other kid on and the referee just skated by. He's like, hey, I'm going to let that one go. And I was like, hey, thanks. That was really nice. So, yeah. Uh, Must be a big daily face-off fan. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with the gift that keeps on giving from a news perspective in the Vancouver Canucks. What a last week it was for the franchise. Some would argue in Vancouver, some of the darkest moments in franchise history with the way that Bruce Boudreaux and his firing was handled. The worst kept secret in pro sports, Rick Tockett takes over as the 21st head coach in franchise history. Mike, I, I want you to give me one word of how to best describe what's unraveled in Vancouver. Circus. Just an absolute circus, man. Like uh, To leave a guy like Boudreaux hanging in the wind for the better part of two months. I mean, he was like taking a slow motion walk down the plank for that period of time after Rutherford threw him under the bus and just kept going over him in the comments to the media back then. And it was pretty clear that Boudreaux wasn't the guy 
that they wanted to be their head coach. And now, you know, it comes out two months later, you make the change, you go to Rick Tockett and all the writing had been on the wall forever. And the team turns around and just says, well, you know what? We didn't cause all this speculation. Basically blamed it on the media that this started to happen. It's like, no, you got to keep your house in order here. Like you connect the dots, like keep your public comments, like to a minimum here in line, keep them in line and not tip people off to what's happening, right? Like it was pretty obvious that this was going to happen. So I just, there's been so many things that have happened in Vancouver this year, Frank. It's like, what's next, man? Like, is this it? I hope this is it because that fan base deserves better. Yeah. So Jim Rutherford actually spoke about his public comments. Take a listen. Now, part of this process, and, and I will apologize to Bruce for this, is probably in my interviews over the course of the season, when people ask me a question, I'm probably too direct and too honest. And so that goes back to my comment about uh, team playing with structure, more structure and things like that. I've done that my whole career. I've tried to be honest. I've tried to answer the best I can. And sometimes that affects certain people. And in this case, it probably did affect him. And, uh, and I'm sorry I did that. And I've learned from it. So I've decided that I need to zip it. I'm not going to talk about the team. I'm going to let Patrick and, uh, and Rick talk, talk about the team and, and just stay away from those things. But unfortunately, it's uh, turned out the way it did. Nobody takes great pride in this. I've known Bruce for a long time. He's been a friend and I feel very bad about it. It's one thing to feel bad about it, Mike, but it's another thing to be in complete control of the situation and then let it slip away that way. And so I think we all appreciate Jim Rutherford's honesty, but when you're in the second or third week of the season and things have spiraled out of control and you go on Hockey Night in Canada and you very pointedly combat and go after the structure that this team plays with, well, that just turns it into open season for how people view your coach. And then you admit last week that you have been engaging in conversation with prospective coaches for months. Well, it kind of tells you what you tells everyone what you think of Bruce Boudreaux and the job that he's done. And Mike, you know who I actually felt worst for on Sunday? That was Rick Tockett. He's done nothing wrong here. He takes over as coach. Right. And the first five questions out of the shoot at his introductory press conference, which should be in some ways, no one's ever celebrating the other coach being on the way out, but you are for the most part beginning to look forward. And in this case, that was not the mode on Sunday uh, and, and for good reason, because everyone still wants to know how did this unravel so badly? So when you look at Rick Tockett and the impact that he's going to have, what did you take most from his press conference? Because he's someone that is also pretty blunt and honest and straightforward, but he also has a real nice way about relating with his players in the sense that he's a really easy guy to communicate with. He's genuine. There's no fluff. You pretty much know exactly where you stand. And now he's stepping into a team where I feel like there's a lot of players in that room that – one answers to how this has all unfolded. And more than that, I think he's stepping into a team in probably an incredibly tough spot, given what the players feel for the guy who's on his way out the door. For sure. Yeah. I and mean, I've been coached by Rick Tockett. We, when I was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, when I first broke into the league, everything you said is hundred percent true about him, right? He's, he's dead honest with you. He'll look you right in the eyes and tell you how he feels. Um, but 
you know, ever since that season and even during that season, I've always had a ton of respect and enjoyed my time with Rick when I've seen him. I just thought this was just so stupid of the Canucks not to have a press conference in the morning without Taka and then have another one either the next day or later in the day with Taka to just try to separate it. Because like you said, it created a big mess and he had to answer all these questions. The biggest thing for me is can Taka get this team to defend? And I mean, Luke Shen and Tyler Myers are probably the two most dependable defensemen on the team. They're both probably trade bait at this point. Can you get the forwards to buy in? Can JT Miller play defense? Can OEL turn his game around? There's a past history with Tockett and OEL that wasn't always great when it comes to how to play in the NHL. So Tockett does have a track record with the Coyotes of when he was the head coach of that team, playing pretty strong defense two of the years they were in the top 10 in defense. Uh, They also had Darcy Kemper as a goaltender playing well, though. So I, I think Tockett has something to prove here from a defensive standpoint. Uh, and it really comes down to those communicating and the relationships that you mentioned. He mentioned it a ton in his press conference and it's one of his greatest strengths. Uh, I'm sure he's going to go in, say hi to everybody, have as many lunches and dinners as he can and try to figure out what makes the room tick. Problem is half that room may not be here, maybe not half, but you know, there's going to be trades, trades made and changes made. So I, I'm not sure where it goes. It's a tough gig though for Taka because this isn't a quick fix in Vancouver. Yeah, and, and that was one of the things you, you mentioned, the idea of a quick fix. That's exactly what Patrick Alvin says that it isn't. But then you kind of look at the comments from Jim Rutherford last week, and they kind of fly in the face of each other. Not a quick fix, but Jim Rutherford says it's going to be a retool. Like a retool would imply that this is something that can be turned around in 12 to 18 months. And yet half the guys that are in that room probably aren't going to be here on the other end of it, or at least that's the hope from a salary cap perspective if you really want to try and improve this team. And on top of the idea of this not being a quick fix, well, all the reports are that Rick Tockett got a two and a half year contract. So which one is it, I guess, is what I'm left wondering. And just on the list of many questions, if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan heading into the Tockett era. Speaking of coaches, got to ask you about Daryl Sutter and this absolute gem. Well, I guess if you're a fan of of interesting social media clips uh, that he had after Saturday's game in which Jacob Pelletier made his NHL debut. Take a listen. What did you think of Pelletier's debut? Uh, What's that? What did you think of Jacob's first few shifts in the NHL? Uh... Jacob Pelche. What number is he? 49. 49. Six minutes, 35 seconds, 13 shifts, average 30 seconds a shift. Got 43 seconds in the power play, played five minutes, 52 seconds, had one shot, goal, and one hit. Beyond the stats. Anything you learned just from being on the bench and seeing what the veterans on the team are doing? It's NHL. 21 years old. Got a long ways to go. 21 years old, got a long way to go. I think we all know that. But the snark with which Daryl Sutter delivers this, some would say, oh, it's his classic shtick. He's someone that doesn't love rookies, and you know it takes a while to warm up to young players in this league. What number is he? This is your first-round pick that was tearing up the AHL, that had clearly deserved a promotion, that you then sat as a healthy scratch for his first 13 days in the NHL before finally putting him in the lineup. And that's the way you treat him. Your thoughts, Mike. Players really don't like this type of thing. I'll tell you what, I had a a person reach out to me who had a similar experience years ago um, in his first NHL game. And like he had flown in the day before and the team hadn't given him any indication whether he was going to play or not. So he's got his family calling him asking, 
are you in the lineup? We need to book airfare. We need to get there. We, we want to see this. And he kept saying, I, I don't think I'm probably going to play. So I don't know. I don't know. Night before, nothing. Morning skate, nothing. Did the coaches even talk to him? Sutter didn't talk to him. Like didn't even make eye contact, anything. None of the other coaches said anything about playing or not. It finally took a teammate telling him that he was in the lineup. And by that point, it was too late for his parents to attend his first NHL game. So like Daryl's as old school as they get. Your coach doesn't have to be your best friend, but you don't forget these things. And person that talked to me about it just couldn't stand that, you know, like these are important moments. And it, the dismissiveness towards Pelletier, I mean, to me, it comes across as like Sutter thinks it's a joke. Well, this guy's a big time prospect of yours, man. Like give him his due, you know, like it reminded me of the line in, in Happy Gilmore when, oh, congrats, you can read. You know what I mean? When he read off the stat sheet. It just, it's just not the right way to do things, man. Like give your players some respect, celebrate them, pump them up a little bit, especially for a team that's not in the playoff picture right now. Like they're out of a playoff spot. You need these players playing well. Give them some juice, man. Not, not only do you need these players playing well because they're call-ups, you need them because that's how you have success in the NHL in general. The Flames, before mm -hmm. Peltier played, were the first, the only team in the NHL to not have a player under the age of 22 in their lineup this season. Players are competing and, and being productive on entry-level contracts. They're making an impact in a way in the NHL as young guys that they never have previously and in a consistent way. And so to then immediately discard or discount what they can bring, I think is the wrong way to go about it, let alone putting the player in an optimal position to succeed for his skill set. To me, it seems a constant battle this season between Flames management and Daryl Sutter. This is not the first time that this has happened. Matthew Phillips, another guy tearing up the AHL this season, another prize prospect. I know he's a smaller guy. I know he's slight. All those things, he sat for a while as a healthy scratch. He gets in two games between eight and nine minutes before management finally just throws his arm up in the air and says, well, what else are we going to do with this guy? We're better off sending him back to the Wranglers in the AHL to let him continue on his tear rather than sitting here languishing. I guess at a certain point, they're going to come to the same realization with Peltier, but I don't know that it needs to be that way. Let's talk about our trade deadline countdown series, which continues on dailyfaceoff.com today. 39 days to go until the NHL's trade deadline on March 3rd. Vladislav Gavrikov, the Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman, is the man profiled on dailyfaceoff.com later this afternoon. And Mike, he was again in the news over the weekend, headlines on Hockey Night in Canada. And basically, they were saying, hey, look, a couple teams have checked in on Gavrikov, Toronto and Edmonton. I do believe that to be the case, although I believe the list is a bit longer than just those two teams. And the response from the Columbus Blue Jackets has been, hey, we need about the same or maybe even a little bit more than we got from David Savard a couple years back, which was a hefty package. But Mike, going back and watching Gavrikov's game very closely, I've watched every shift that he's played this season. He has the moniker of being a physical defenseman, but he actually is not one. What do you think Gavrikov could bring to a team's lineup? Well, you're bringing somebody who's pretty smart with the puck, who defends pretty well. But like you say, like he's not a big bruiser. You know, he's not the guy that you're going to fear as you're going into a corner. He's just somebody that's pretty diligent in all areas. And it kind of feels like this is where uh, the defensive market is headed this year. You know, some of your trade targets that are on the on your list so far. I mean, who are your top ones? You've got Chikrin, who's a puck mover. He plays hard as well. Gavrikov, to me, is just 
he's kind of a four to six defenseman that you slide in when you need some help. And at 2.8 million bucks, you know, it, it fits that mold. Um, but if you're Toronto, if you're Edmonton, I guess maybe if it's that, I think Vegas could use his help as well. But uh, if they're not healthy by the end of the year, I just, I, I'm, I'm curious to see for Gavrikov how much a team will give up if Savard's commanding first round picks. You know, are we giving up first round picks now for five and six D at the trade deadline? Is that what it's going to, is that what it's going to warrant this year, Frank? Like you got a good handle on it. It sure seems like to me, that's where it's headed. I just don't know if there's going to be any buyer's remorse when this season is finally in at the end, if you, I, if that's what you pick up for Gavrikov. I think there's certainly buyer's remorse from Ben Sherratt going last year from Montreal to yeah. Florida. I mean, Florida's clawing back into the playoff race, but for a while, Montreal's sitting there. This pick is not lottery protected. Could you imagine if they finish inside the top 10 and give us yet another crack at Connor Bedard? So I'm sure they're watching mm-hmm. the standings quite closely there in Montreal. But when you think of Gavrikov and then you compare it to the Savard deal, it was a first and a third plus a fourth round pick to then eat some of the money through a third party broker. That's a lot. First, third and fourth. Um, and Savard ended up being, which I think Gavrikov ideally slots as, which is a third pair defenseman on a Stanley Cup caliber roster. Maybe a second pair, a middle pair guy on another team that isn't quite as deep or as good, but in an ideal situation, that's probably where he ends up. Mike, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk goaltending as well. Uh, Let's get to this week's edition of The Blue Paint. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, Mike, time for some goaltending talk this week with the blue paint delivered by our friends at Montana's. And Mike, I want to ask you about the Colorado Avalanche, who have won five games in a row, but number one goalie Alexander Georgiev was only in net for two of those games. Pavel Francouz has come on strong lately. Loved what we saw from him in the playoffs last year when he stepped in. What happens next in the Avalanche crease? That's a good question, and I think it really still does go through Alexander Georgiev, who was brought in to be the number one goaltender of the Colorado Avalanche, despite Pavel Francouz performing in every year of his pro career. I mean, this guy is 
basically never had a save percentage below like a 910, like ever in his life talking about Franco's. Um, but I think what you've seen from Georgiev is just really peaks and valleys, man. He's ridden the roller coaster this year. He's had some great stretches coming out of the gates after the holiday break, after Christmas. Franco's real, or sorry, Georgiev really, really struggled. Like lost five straight, didn't look good, smashed a stick over a crossbar. Um, but he's now won three of his last four games, nine and one save percentage in those. They were against Vancouver, Calgary, some lesser teams, but he only allowed two goals. So I think for the work that Franco's has done, he's probably still looked as a stopgap or a number two or a one B, at least in in Colorado, but they know he can get the job done. He's got a 920 on the season and he's five and one in his last six starts. So I don't think it's a real horse race. I think Georgiev probably still has the, the upper hand in, in who they want to start it come playoff time, should the Avalanche get there. I just think Francois is going to push him the whole way. And if Georgiev falls off a cliff in advance of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think they'd be happy to go to Francois. Maybe that's the best case scenario is that you have a guy in Francois who's ready and able and willing and then pushing your guy in Georgiev to be a little bit better. He asked and clamored for this number one role. He's had the ability to do it started off pretty well, as you said, and since Christmas has struggled a bit. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their net minding situation. Uh, they've got Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. Both have started 19 games for the Leafs, but Samsonov has the better record and has occupied the crease in the past two outings. Their coach in Sheldon Keefe saying that Samsonov has earned it. Can Samsonov carry Toronto down the stretch? Well, I've been really impressed with Samsonov this year. I kept waiting for a big regression. There was a little bit, uh, and, and he's been pretty good. I, I keep referencing here since the Christmas break, because to me, that's a month out. It's a good time frame and sample size. Um, and since Christmas, he's had a 9-11 save percentage since then. Um, and his record, you see here, is 4-1-2. and two. Well, it's also eye test, right? Like Sam Sonoff, to me, um, has played with a lot of swagger, man. He looks confident. He's never going to be the most crisp goaltender. There's still times where I think he uh, loses his patience and drops a little bit early. But he's been more consistent than Murray this year. Samsonov's only had four times this season where he allowed more than four goals in a game. You, you compare that with Murray, it's been seven times for Murray. Murray was pulled in his last outing against Florida, allowed four on eight. Murray struggled since Christmas. 8-8-2 save percentage, 3-3 three and three record. Uh, and, and here's the thing, Frank. The book's out on Murray. Like He's getting absolutely torched high glove side. He's only stopped 64% of shots to that location this season. And you compare that with Samsonov, who's very balanced. Like he's at 78, 77% glove and blocker side high. You got a more balanced goaltender who's harder to score and because of that. And I think the edge is going to go to Samsonov by the end of the season. All right, on a one to 10 scale, what is your level of concern for Murray in that? Look, it, not everything's a straight line. There's going to be peaks and valleys, but these last seven games, is this back to the same guy that he was in Ottawa? I think it's kind of similar. I think the team's just better in front of him. You know, I haven't seen the biggest structural changes. He's just played with a little more urgency than last season that I'd seen. So um, I'm concerned about it. I'll probably say six. If he's a 1B, I'm fine with it behind Samsonov because Murray can still win games behind that team in Toronto. So six, not very high. So you're not turning the temperature no. up high. But it's been pretty high in Calgary this year, Mike. And their goaltending has received a lot of criticism. The team currently sits outside of the playoff picture. Can Jacob Markstrom finally get going? Or would you turn over the reins to Dan Vladar, which, speaking of Daryl Sutter, he seems super hesitant or resistant to doing so. 
which is weird. You know, like here's the thing. Markstrom has been really consistent all year. Like his, he's been about an eight, nine, five, eight, nine, six, as you can see. Consistently bad. And since Christmas, I won't say bad. I think that's a bit off on Markstrom. I think he hasn't been bad. I think he's had bad goals against that have submarined him. So if you look at somebody consistently bad, look to Merzlikens in Columbus. But those one or bad, one goal a game that he can't allow is what's crushing him here, Frank. So he's two, four, and one since Christmas, and he, and he really hasn't been able to put together an extended period of great games, and his win-loss record reflects that. You look at the goals saved above expected between these two, and Markstrom's well ahead of where Vladar is. Like, Markstrom's 34th in the league, Vladar's 68th in goals saved above expected. It's a season-long metric. But recently, Vladar's 4-0-1. He's 9-1-4 for the season, or 9-0-6 in the season, but 9-1-4 lately. So that says to me, Frank, Vladar is really starting to come into his own. He's winning games. And man, if you ask me, this is a real race, or it needs to be a race. I don't know if Sutter's going to let it be, um, but right now, Vladar is the goaltender in Calgary that's performing. Yeah, there's no question Vladar has been, I think, consistently better than Markstrom. I, for whatever reason, Daryl Sutter has continued to treat it like, hey, buddy, you're just keeping Jacob Markstrom's seat warm. And maybe that's because he knows that he might need both when it comes to playoff time. Mm-hmm. I'd be still so curious over these next few months if the Flames are able to get in. First off, they're going to have to get better goaltending from Markstrom, I think, in order to get there, if he's going to be the guy that continues to carry the ball. And second, who would be their opening night starter in game one of the playoffs? Still so much to be determined. This has been the Blue Paint, which is delivered by our friends at Montana's. They're bringing back the viewing party all season long at Montana's. They've got their new comfort menu and daily deals. Today's Monday. That means half-price wings. So head on over to montanas.ca for the latest daily deals and head into Montana's. They've got their smoked menu, their comfort menu. It's all real good. All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your question. And, Mike, it is pretty simple in this case. When you take a look at the Pacific Division, there's been a clear shift in the standings. The Edmonton Oilers are coming on hot. So if you were to take a look at the odds, who is the favorite or who should be the favorite to win the Pacific this year? Flip a coin, but I'm going to go with Edmonton. They were my preseason pick to win the Pacific. They've won six in a row. Jack Campbell looks good in the net. Evander Kane's back in the lineup and making a difference for that club. Listen, they're only three points behind a struggling Vegas team. I think it's a race between Seattle and Edmonton. Now, what about you, Frank? Wow, so you're discounting the Golden Knights and saying that you don't think they have a shot to win. Uh, I would agree. I would say it's Edmonton's to lose. I think they're a team that has a really favorable schedule down the stretch. McDavid has always been historically great in March and April. Uh, So I think they're in a fine spot to win the division. But here's the thing. As you take a look at the odds, and we'll bring in our boy Tyler Uremchuk to talk daily face-off, daily bets. But Tyler, give us your thoughts as well on you know, the Pacific. And and when you look at this odds board here, I'm going, huh, not really any incredible value in, in the Kraken Oilers or Golden Knights. I don't think the Flames are winning the division. I think it's a big stretch for them to even make the playoffs, but the LA Kings 14 to one, they were my preseason pick. They're kind of right in the thick of the race. Why is no one talking about the Kings as some of their young players have gotten better and better. And I think they're going to be a big trade deadline player this year 
when you consider that they have a bunch of pieces that they could move on their back end. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Frank. Like, if you want to try uh, get rich quick, I suppose the LA Kings are a decent bet. They have played the most games in that division as well. But I'm also starting to think at some point the games in hand thing as the season goes on. Sure, it's great because you can build up a bunch of points. But the Kings having more games now means they have the most relaxed schedule down the stretch as well, right? They would play the least, the most days off. They could stay the most rested. So I think the Kings are interesting. The Oilers. I don't mind it at plus 215, but 10 days ago, you could have gotten them at plus 700, which is unbelievable. Right now, I just, I'm not sure if I'm confident enough to touch them at plus 215, but it is fascinating stuff in that division. Yeah, no doubt. Let's get to our points bet daily bet segment. Yeah, let's uh, keep rolling into what's going on tonight. Uh, nothing I'm touching in terms of the Pacific Division. There's actually just one game I'm looking at. So let's dig into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, the Rangers are minus 136 on the money line against the Florida Panthers. And yeah, Florida's been playing some good hockey as of late. They have seven wins in their last 10, but the Rangers have six wins in their last 10. They're not exactly playing terrible. They're rested. I'm hoping it's Igor Shesterkin between the pipes. It's going to be neither Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight for the Panthers. It's expected to be Alex Lyon. So uh, an interesting goalie matchup as well. I think this line is too short. Yeah, the Rangers haven't been great on home ice this season, but the Panthers only have 11 road wins in 27 games. So I love New York. I think this line is way too short. And also a shot prop in this one. I am picking a Florida Panther, which is a little contrary, I suppose. But Carter Verhage, that line set at two and a half, paying out. Pretty close to even money. Here's his last five games. Four shots, four shots, six shots, three shots, four shots. He's crushing it. Five in a row. Let's hope he goes for six in a row. Verhage shot prop. Rangers money line. Those are my two plays, Frank. Interesting, Tyler. Yeah, Spencer Knight forgot to point out as well. He's back in the minors right now coming off of that injury. So uh, be curious to see when he makes his way back to the Florida Panthers. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk for our points bet daily bet segment. That brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. Mike, what's caught your eye? What's caught your attention from around the NHL? Headless goaltenders. And it's because of the digital rink board ads that uh, Gary Bettman has said are working extraordinarily well. Well, where's Vasilevsky here, Frank? <laughs> I mean, he's gone, dude. And I actually saw this happen last night when I was watching uh, the game between Vegas and Arizona. It happened to Logan Thompson as well. His whole upper body just disappeared. So uh, listen, I'm actually in the camp that I don't mind the digital rink board ads. I, I think they kind of, I think they do work pretty well most of the time. But when things happen like this, it's pretty glaring. Um, so it, I think it just shows that it is a work in progress. I appreciate that the NHL is trying to find new revenue streams and be creative with it. But this is kind of a bad look, though, man. Like, it, I mean, even look at the, the Tampa Bay defenseman's head floating behind him, Frank. Like, that's common. It's like he's best, taped you know? to the so, wall by a Publix ad. Like, come on. Yeah, he's a fathead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I just it, it needs to keep being improved. I don't mind it at all. But this was just funny to me. Yeah, I'm not one of those people that's going to feign outrage at it either, but I, I just I just think there's no other professional sports league on the planet that would allow this to happen on a, such a consistent basis. And then to sit here and turn around and say, like, we're all dumb, nothing to see here, move along, it's, it's working extraordinarily well, come on. It's not, we know it's yeah. not, just no. fix it, be better. <laughs> I'm all for the revenue stream and whatever else. Business is business, we get it. Sometimes you have to do things you don't like. But in this case... 
just make it better. Just fix it. Yep. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks to Mike McKenna, Tyler Remchuk, as well as our head of production, Alex Allard. You know where to find us. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Tuesday. We'll talk to you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. you got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.